You may be seated. Thanks, worship team. Good morning, good morning, good morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Rob Jacobson, and I'm so glad you're here. If we have met before, I'm still glad you're here. Um, I'm going to use a stool because I'm just not quite sure. I've been, I've been in a little bit of sickness and pain, um, so I totally forgot to dismiss the kids. So if you're in third grade or younger, you can go ahead. See you later. Um, sorry. It's been one of those weeks for me. Um, they're, they're doing, yeah, they're doing fine. Oh, see, a slide. They're doing fine. Uh, yeah. I'm like, well, we'll see how it goes today. I guess you'll let me know afterwards. Um, I, was, I, I haven't preached for, I haven't spoken for three weeks. Um, I was really ill. Mike did a great job. Thank you, Mike. And uh, yeah, see, look at that. You did do a great job. And I guess you'll let me know if I did okay too, but it's not really about that. It's really about going to the Word and seeing what, what God's Word has to say to us today. And so, um, so let's do that in prayer right now. God, thanks for this time and this day, uh, this hour that is set aside that we've given you, that we've given you by our presence. But right now, Lord, our, our minds could be distracted, um, whether uh, we're thinking about the, the things that we need to get done today or, or the upcoming week, or maybe we've been in a, a conflict with a friend or, or someone that we're close to, um, Lord, and so we're thinking about that. Uh, maybe we're just in a place, God, where we're really wondering if, if you're there and if you're hearing us because it's been hard. Uh, God, I pray that you would meet us right where we're at today. I thank you that for those that just had a strong sense of your presence this week, um, that you're moving in, in our lives. I thank you for that. I pray that we would come to you with thanksgiving and joy today. And right now, God, as we look at what your word has to say and had to say 2,000 years ago and, and 3,000 years ago and 4,000 years ago and what it has to say today, I pray that we would, we would hear it and that we would listen um, and that it would produce movement in our lives towards you. And so we give you today and this time right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, I was beginning to wonder if I was going to forget to remember what it was like to be up here and speak. I, I had um, this kind of attack. Uh, it's called shingles. It hit me up here, and, uh, and so it's right over here. It's a little bit gross. Sorry about that. You can look on Facebook if you want to see really gross pictures. Um, now it just looks like I got punched. Um, but it was a painful week, and my doctor said, you know, you're going to have to take it slow. So I did that really well for two or three weeks, and then this week I kind of forgot to remember to take it slow. Um, and so the end of the week kind of set me back, and, and it can be painful to forget to remember to do things. Um, some of you might have experienced forgetting to remember an anniversary and how painful that experience is. Um, I don't personally know it, but I've just heard. Um, but sometimes there's, there's a painfulness when we forget to remember things. There's a physical pain, but sometimes there's an emotional pain when we forget to remember something. I had um, the f- really acute experience with this was when my, when my wife's grandmother was suffering from dementia. It was, uh, it was the late 90s, and we had just gotten engaged, and we were um, on our way to getting married, and her grandmother started just calling me like her boyfriend or her fiancé uh, instead of Rob. 
And it wasn't a big deal. You know, I, I, I made some mistakes in this courtship, so um, I thought maybe she was just old school and she wasn't really going to like me. Uh, but, then, but then she did give me a hug at our wedding and embrace me, and I thought, okay, I'm in. But then um, longer and longer, there was just this, this thing where it wasn't just me. Now it was kind of every grandson or granddaughter's spouse was just, oh, that person, or indirect communication, um, where she wasn't directly addressing the person. And then, and then it was into her surroundings, where she started to forget to remember where she was, and she had to be moved from her apartment into, um, into a home that kind of specialized in dementia. And then she started forgetting herself. Um, and, and probably the most painful moment wasn't just when she forgot um, the granddaughters and grandson spouses. It wasn't just when she forgot her daughter's spouses, but it was when she forgot her three daughters. And I remember my, my, my wife's mom going to, the, going to the, um, the hospital kind of one final time and her mom not remembering who she was um, herself and not remembering who my wife's mom was. It was just a really, really painful experience to go through that, that memory loss, forgetting to remember um, and maybe you've had an experience like that where you've had a, a memory loss. Uh, it's painful to watch other people go through. It's painful for us to experience. But watching a, watching a, a, a son or a daughter, um, whether they're real little and they put their hand on the stove and don't forget to remember that again, or, or whether it's something like just watching uh, a child go through mistake after mistake after mistake after bad choice after bad choice, after bad choice. And, and it's like they've, they've done it nine times in a row and they just did it the 10th time and they're really expecting a different result. And, and you just want to go, but you're not going to get one. And they're just forgetting to learn from those mistakes. That can, be, that can be painful. And yet, even in the midst of that, I remember one of the most painful experiences that I, that I had several times over in this idea of forgetting to remember was back um, several years ago, I was a youth pastor. And I would, I would watch these students like totally discover in junior high or senior high who Jesus was. And, and they, we would be on these retreats together. And uh, I watched one girl, her dad was a volunteer, and I watched her as an eighth grader like crawl up into his lap on the Saturday night and, and pray to understand, like pray to ask God, to ask Jesus Christ to be like Lord of her life and leader in her life with her dad. And I will never forget that experience. And yet, equally, um, I've, I've sat across the coffee shop from a student that, that graduated and, and was either in college or, or graduated from college. And as they're communicating with me, I'm not hearing um, really any concern, any guidance, or, or any involvement of God in their life. Uh, and as I ask kind of questions about it, and I tell a story about, remember in junior high when, when I wore that ridiculous outfit and you like hit me with that ball, or I thought I could tackle you in the snow and then you ended up like breaking my kneecap? Yeah, that was a good time. Actual true story. Um, for a different day. Uh, and they would laugh and say, yeah, yeah. And then, then I'd say, oh, and do you remember at that log cabin? And I'd describe this setting where the student like, confessed this really big thing and, and then said, today's going to be this day. It's going to be this marker in my life where, 
where I'm going to make this change. I said, do you remember that? And they just look at me. No, I don't remember that. And it's just, it's painful, painful when that memory has been lost. It's, it's like, it's a different kind of dementia. It's a spiritual dementia. When we forget to remember how God has worked in our lives. And this disease has severe consequences. And so we've been in the book of Joshua because Joshua is about this story of these people becoming a new people and we're a church becoming a new church. You know, we've been, we've been having weekly worship for a couple months. We're still figuring things out. Um, but we're a new community entering a new place and that's what was happening with the Israelites. They were, this, they were God's people. They were kind of becoming into their own. They were coming into this community and God was saying, this promised land, I'm going to give you this promised land. And so Joshua's the story about these people kind of understanding that and becoming that. And so we come to this place today in Joshua 4, but bef- to really understand that story, we've got to go back and we've got to go to Numbers 14. And you're like, Numbers? Mm-hmm. So if you have a Bible, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers is where we're at. And this is the story. If you have one you want to turn to it, I'll, I'll kind of give the background on it. So God had chosen these people to be his people, to be in relationship with him, to tell people about what it meant to have a relationship with God. These people became slaves in this place called Egypt. And so God sent these miracles. They were also called plagues to rescue these people, to get this king, this pharaoh, to let them go. And finally, uh, through a series of miracles, he did. He let them go, and God had this cloud, and, and by day, this cloud led the Israelites out. And then at night, there was this tower of fire that would lead them at night, and they led them to this place, this body of water known as the Red Sea. So they're camped out by this sea. Well, Pharaoh changes his mind. He's just like, my, my worker population just left. And I don't really like that. So he sends his chariots and himself down and they're coming down and they're now going to come and take back what's theirs. And if they don't come back, probably kill them. So the Israelites see this. They see large body of water on this side, giant army on this side, uh, nowhere to go. And God takes this tower of fire from here, puts it in between. So it's army, fire, people, large body of water. So they're safe and stuck. And then in the midst of that, God splits the sea open and these people walk through on dry ground. And after these millions of people cross this sea, then the fire lifts, the army comes and chases them and the sea swallows them up. And the Israelites watch this happen. They are now freed. They are spared. They're not going I mean, this army has just been destroyed, so they're not going to come and get them back. And they walk to this mountain that God had said, I'm, I'm going to send you to this mountain. They go up and go on the several-week journey up to this mountain. There, this cloud um, containing God's presence meets them. And he says, we're going to make an agreement. We're going to make this thing called a covenant. And we're going to we're going to make this agreement. Uh, and the Ten Commandments come out of that, where it's like, this is how we relate with God and as a people. This is how we relate to each other. This is how we relate to God. And then God leads them up through this desert and this wilderness uh, to this oasis. And 
And there, there's, there's water. He's providing food for them. And, and God says, now I'm going to have you send these spies into this land, the land you're supposed to take. So you have these huge people, so I need a representative from each one of the families to come. So choose one of your elders. And so 12 people are chosen from these 12 families or tribes, they're called. And they go into this land, and for 40 days, or a really long time, they go and explore this land. They come back from that experience, and all, all 12 spies say, you know what? This land is awesome. Like, there's a Hilton there. There's, like, resorts. I mean, they have, like, HD TVs that are just, I mean, not even 60. We're talking, like, I mean, movie-sized screens in their houses, and I'm sure they're just going to give it to us. I mean, not only that, it's so amazing that they say it flows with milk and honey, which is a nice way of saying it's really good. But 10 of those spies say, and the people are look really mean. They're scary. They're huge. They're gigantic. We can't do it. There's no way that we can do this. And two of these spies say, named, named Joshua and Caleb say, yeah, 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 but don't you remember? Don't you remember when we were like in the, in the middle of this place with the sea on one side and the fire on the other side and the army and don't you remember? I know, I'm sure they use those, those voices too. Don't you remember when God brought us out of Egypt? Don't you remember the 10 like, miracles that happened where these, the, the Egyptians like, had this bad thing happen to them? They look like this. Um, and <laughs> boils and scales. And, and it didn't happen to us. Don't you remember? And they said, no. We can't do this. And so Numbers 14 just going to go through a few verses here. Verses 2 through 4 says, All Israel grumbled against their leaders, Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us be killed? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be, we should just choose a leader and go back. Because at least in slavery, we know what to expect. I'm going to jump down to verse 20. And because, so the people are like just getting ready to actually kill their leaders. And Moses, who is their leader, um, goes before God and says, please don't, you know, don't kill these people, which God is like, I'm just going to start over. We'll just, you'll stay Moses, you know, and, and we'll just wipe out these people and I'll create a new people to be my, my people. And, uh, and Moses says, don't do that, God. They really, they just, they forget they forget to remember. They forget to remember what you're like. Just spare them. And so in verse 20, God says, okay, I forgive them as you have asked, but none of these who have seen the glory of the Lord and as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of these men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but disobeyed me, will get to go into this land. So these people that forgot to remember, these people that had spiritual dementia, they don't get to go, except for Joshua and Caleb, who said, God can do this. Those two were the only leaders from these spies and anyone who experienced um, these miracles that got to go forward into the land. And so then in verse 34, it says, So for 40 years, one for each day of the 40 days you've explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. So, what does that mean? So God sent these spies 
into this land and they explored it for 40 days. And so what, what God is saying is there's a natural consequence to, to not believing. There's a natural consequence to forgetting to believe that I'm going to, forgetting to remember, for not believing that I'm going to bring you through this. And, and if I was sitting there, I'd be like, oh. Like, what else do you say? Oh. Can, can I have a do-over? <laughs> like, seriously, God? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I should have believed you. I didn't believe you. I, I just, and, and sometimes, sometimes in life, friends, that happens. Sometimes in life, we can just go, oh, God, I'm sorry. Can, can I change my answer? And he goes, okay. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he says, the best way that you can learn is to naturally go through these consequences. And I will be with you, but you're going to have to go through them. Maybe you're in a place today where that's you. Where, where this do-over that you really wanted is not happening, and God is saying to you, you have to walk through some consequences. And it feels like 40 years of consequences. And if that's you, I can't say that I, I know what it's like to experience 40 years of consequences. I know what it's like to experience months of consequences. Oh, if I only would have believed you, God, I could have been spared of these months or actually maybe even these couple of years of pain. I have walked through that. And if that's you today, know that God is still there, but, but that, that he's doing that, I believe, for a reason. And you can have hope because God, God's people get a do-over. The Jordan River that we just talked about last week is their do-over. So now jump over to Joshua chapter 4. Um, just a little bit farther to the right. Now, last week we talked about this, this amazing experience where, where, actually Mike talked about it, where these, these people were, were, they came up over here, so they were down here in the wilderness. They came around, and now they're sitting right here, and there's a river that's in their way to cross over into the promised land. And they're sitting there, and God says, okay, here's what's going to happen. Like, the priests are going to take the ark. They're going to take our, our, our thing that holds our agreement, this, this covenant. They're going to walk into this flooding, raging river, and when they step in, it's going to stop. <laughs> right. And, and then once it stops, then everybody will walk over. It'll be like, you know, a gentleman holding the door open or something. And so they had to wait for God, they had to prepare themselves, and then they had to take a step of faith. And so we talked about that last week. And so in Joshua 4, and, and that actually happened. The water stopped, the people walked through, and they got to the other side. And so we pick up the story right here in Joshua 4 when, when these people are on the other side. It says in verse 1, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people. These are not the spies. These are different people. Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, to carry them over with you and put them down at the place you'll stay tonight. Okay, now now pay attention because I know we're reading lots of verses and I'm violating like huge how to preach things, but when, when, you are, when you're speaking to a story... It's, it's kind of like watching a movie. And if you're going to watch like a two-hour movie and you're going to show a three-minute clip, you're like, whoa. Like, 
when they do that on, on those evening shows like The Tonight Show and The Late Show and they bring a star on and they say, what are we, we going to watch here? And they're like, oh, we're going to show a clip where I'm going to tell a funny joke. And then you watch the clip and they tell the funny joke and you're like, okay, what's that movie about? Well, if, if we only talked about one or two verses, that's where we'd be like, what's this about? And so we'll read through this whole story and then you'll tell me later like, wow, that was a lot of reading. I know. But it's, it's worth it. Trust me. It's really good. So, God says to Joshua, do this. Verse 4, So Joshua calls the twelve men together that he had appointed from Israel, one from each tribe, and said to them, pay attention to the quotes, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of Israel, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Okay, so do you notice a lot of repetition? Um, God said, do this, take the 12 stones. And now I think we heard 12 stones from the Jordan from where the place where the priests had stood like four times in that passage. Now, why couldn't they just have said, um, God told Joshua to do this, and he did exactly that. And then Joshua told the Israelites, and they did exactly that. This is a, this repetition idea. This, this, these writers are brilliant. They're smart. And so what the writers are doing is they're trying to make a point here. What they're trying to say is that this time, God's people get it right. This time, they get their do-over. This time, God said to Joshua... Joshua, do this. Joshua said, okay. He did that. He said to the Israelites, do this. And the Israelites did what Joshua, which is what God, had said. See, before, when we read in Numbers, this didn't happen. God told Moses. Moses either did or didn't get it right. But even when he did get it right, he told the Israelites, and oftentimes they didn't do it right. This is their do-over. This is where they're getting it right. This is when they're listening to God and following what it says. And now he makes it really explicit in verses 10 through 14. It says, so Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the river. Yes, we've heard this three or four times now. But they remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. If you, like, remember your Bible, Moses is dead. He's not around anymore. But it's important that his name is there. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and all the priests came to the other side where the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of the Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. 
So now we have this situation where, where Moses is getting brought up. Now this is like, I'm getting a little excited because this is pretty amazing. So Moses, if there was ever a top dog, if there was ever like a leader of the people of God, it was Moses. There's this, this um, trifecta cool name roles that, that people give Jesus, um, prophet, priest, and king. And if anyone else could have had this title, it would have been Moses. Prophet is one who speaks um, on behalf of the people to, uh, a prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God to the people. A priest is one who speaks on behalf of, of the people to God. And king is one who leads the people. And so Moses embodies this role. He is prophet, priest, and king. He speaks on behalf of God to the people. He speaks on behalf of the people to God. And he leads the people. Like Moses, I mean, he's just, he's the man. And so, and yet he didn't get it right. Moses needed a do-over. And so what the writer is saying in these verses right here is like, again, they got it right this time. Joshua embodied what Moses failed to do. Joshua and these people did right what Moses and the people failed to do. They forgot to remember. This time around, they were not going to forget to remember. And so this whole story is about that, that idea of not forgetting to remember. And so it continues, and you'll hear some of the same repetition through the end of this. But at the very end, you'll have to pay attention. Not that you can't pay attention the whole time. Verse 15, the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the ark to come out of the Jordan. God said to Joshua, and so Joshua said, come out of the Jordan. Same words. And the priests came out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to the place of flood stages before. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went from that place and they camped at Gilgal, on the eastern part of this promised land, this inherited land. And he said to Israel, he being Joshua, in the future, when your descendants or your children ask their fathers, what do these stones mean that you just put up? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. Now see, this is why this why it connects to this numbers idea of where they got it wrong with Moses. Verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan River just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear, or so that you might always revere, or so that you might always be in awe of the Lord your God. Don't forget to remember. This is why the writer connects the Jordan River to the Red Sea. Because they want to get this right this time. Now, what about our spiritual dementia? What about the times that we forget to remember how God has worked in our lives? What memorials do we put up in our lives? We ask that question. Maybe some of you said a birthday. Um, Somebody that I talked to said, um, New Year's, it's a fresh start. It's every year I get to have this fresh start. The 4th of July, we get to celebrate these, these fireworks and we get to remember that, that we had freedom as a country, that that we were once immigrants in this land under the rule of a distant king. 
On Saturday, we got to celebrate um, a birthday. We, we usually do that every year. Um, we had 16 four- to nine-year-olds for my daughter's seven-year-old birthday party. And, and my beautiful bride thought it would be fun in the treat bag to not just put candy that, you know, you send home with kids, which I'm like, fine, put candy in there. Give them a bunch of sugar when they leave and, and give them back. That's okay. She put whistles in there. <laughs> we have 16 four- to nine-year-olds with whistles. We almost got kicked out of the place we were renting. It was, it, trust me, we will not forget to remember to ever put whistles ever in a tree bag. It was the worst thing in the world. I think sometimes we get memorials right with, with funerals. Sometimes we even call them a celebration of life. We call them these memorials. And we do a great job often at a funeral to celebrate the life of someone. But then after that, we, we, we often put up like a tombstone at a cemetery. And I started thinking about this. When, when I've thought about tombstones, I think that's commemorating a death instead of commemorating a life. And so I just wonder if sometimes when we talk about these, these, um, these memorials and these milestones in our life, if maybe we're remembering the wrong thing. I think about in my own life, when, when I have remembered something, oftentimes I'm remembering a mistake I made. I'm remembering a place where I failed or, or sometimes I'm remembering a time where God didn't come through and I'm harboring that. I'm not holding on to a spiritual milestone where God showed up. I'm remembering a spiritual milestone where I, where I think, big preface there, God didn't show up. What are spiritual milestones in your life? What are ones you celebrate? Like in our group of churches um, that, that are called the Covenant, we practice both infant and believer baptism, which means they're both celebrating the grace of God at work in our lives, one coming before that grace, coming before that infant, um, not to save them, but to, to wait for that day, to remember that day when when this child will accept Christ, and then celebrate that. And, and then in the, in the believer baptism, God's grace coming after that person has accepted Christ and they go under this water and they come up symbolizing this, this new life. And so we celebrate those things. We commemorate those milestones. Um, one spiritual milestone in my life was, was my third grade Bible. Um, I grew up in a, a church where I never got to hear that God loved you and had, that wanted a relationship with you and that Jesus Christ was the way to do that. I didn't hear that. So if you're here and you've never heard that, I'd love to talk to you about that because um, I didn't. But the one thing I got was a Bible in third grade, which collected uh, a lot of dust usually during the week, um, and then I bring it to Sunday school. But, but I keep that Bible because when I was 16 years old, um, I was in a tough place in my life, and, and I was really like, I w- it was kind of just ultimatum time. And I remember being in my room, and I remember going, okay, God, if, if, like, if you're real, like, I want to I understand you. And if this book is real, and I like grabbed my good news third grade Bible, and I grabbed, I'm like, and if this is real, then I want it, to, like, I need it to make sense to me. And, and I just opened it up, and, and something happened. I, I wasn't able to understand numbers, but I was able to understand that God loved me. I was able to understand that those words could apply to my life. I was able to understand exactly what he prayed. That is a spiritual milestone in my life. Um, another spiritual milestone in my life um, is, is uh, when I got married. 
This is a spiritual milestone. These are our vows, and they sit on our dresser. Um, and they're on my side of the room because I have to look at them more because I tend to forget more. Um, and, and we keep these up, and we've had these up since we've been married, and, and I look at them every day. And it reminds me of these promises that I made before God and before our friends to, to, to care and to love my wife. What are your milestones? What are your spiritual memorials? We have some as a church, but, but right here, like, I got, I have some rocks. They're not from the Jordan River, um, but they are rocks, and um, they're, they're clean. I wash them, and I'll cl- pick up the ones that you don't take. Um, but, but right now, before the, before the worship band comes up and before we're done today, um, right now you might have a, a milestone in your life. You might have a spiritual memorial where you're like, this is when God showed up. And, uh, and you got some sheets of paper that are blank um, with your worship folder that you can write it down. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. Um, if you want to stand up and share one, I'm okay with that. Um, but if you're like, I kind of want to rock, but I don't really want to talk, that's okay too. Uh, but I think it would be encouraging if you have a time where you're like, this is when God showed up. Um, I would love, and I think we as a community would love to hear that. Um, where is a milestone where you're just like, you know what? I know, I know that I know that God answered that prayer. I know that I know, and I will not forget to remember when God made himself evident. So I don't know, we don't, we don't like just open it up, but let's open it up. Michael, if you've um, been in a place where you've, you've so forgotten to remember, um, you, you can't even remember when God showed up. Um, stories like today, um, those were dark days for you. Those were dark days before your kids. Um, and yet God came through for the Israelites 40 years um, not that it's about comparison, but if you've been in a season where you're just like, this is awful, know that God will come through, that the milestones will happen. He's come through in our church. Um, the, the band is going to come back up. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to let you get a rock. But as they come up, um, February 28th, I was given from, uh, from the church I used to work at, we were given um, in pledges over $40,000 to start this church. Um, August 15th, we had our first worship service. Um, we had like triple or quadruple the amount of people that were there. But the week before this service, um, our little girl was in the hospital. And um, my wife was there every day. She had needles all over her. It was bad. Um, I was trying to take care of our other kids. And I remember this little team of people at our church saying, you know, if you can just show up and preach the first time, that'd be great. Um, we'll get everything else figured out. And if you can't, 
We'll probably get that figured out too. And it went phenomenal. Um, then we decide to be a church that, um, that actually does instead of just says, that we want to be a that we want to be about restoring what's broken in the community and in the world. And so we wanted to go out and serve. So we decided to have this back-to-school garage sale. And we have like 80 people in our church. And we have this little 5 by 8 trailer. And we start asking for donations. And it gets about half full. And I remember our, our, our team of outreach people going, I, I just, I don't know if it's enough. And we rented this room. And it's this huge room that's like half the room. And, and we're like thinking we're going to fill this all up with stuff. And there's like, there's no way. There's no way. And these people show up and they start taking stuff out. And they start taking stuff out. And they start taking stuff out. And all of a sudden the room is entirely filled with stuff. And people from the community are like, why are you guys doing this? And, and we're like, well, we love Jesus and we want to bless you. So it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't free. You had to pay a, a buck for a bag, and then you got to fill the whole bag up with clothes and, and go. And, and it just multiplied. It was like, yes, God was there. We didn't have a place to worship on Christmas Eve, and God showed up and provided us a place. You know, we, we take it, all these volunteers that, that set everything up. Sometimes we're like, I don't know if we have enough, and sometimes we do. And, and God keeps coming up. We're going to have a grand opening, which just means we're going to tell the community that we're here in April. And we're like, oh, how are we going to do that? And how are we going to do that well? And you know what? God is going to move. God is going to move. We will be able to set up these milestones. Why? Because it's not about us. What does the end of these, this chapter say? It's so that all the people of the earth, not just the Israel. It's not just God's chosen people, but all the people of the earth might know that God is powerful. If you want to know God is powerful today, and if you've never had the milestone, if you've had the milestone, take one of these rocks as we worship in this last song, and as we go out, um, grab it, put it in your pocket. If you've never had one, just keep it there going, okay, God, I need a milestone from you, not as a trinket, but as a way to remind myself that you're powerful. So, Let's stand and worship.